0: Hi there and welcome back to the Valencia Property Podcast. This month we're looking at what it's like to be an estate agent in Valencia. We're looking at more than the usual Valencia property market and the content we've provided in the last month. We're also gonna look into the full background of what we do, the difficult bits, the communication and more and how this works with our agents. So we're gonna talk to uh, David and we're gonna talk to Paul as well. So you get more than just my voice on this week. So we started the month with the last podcast of course, but then we had our usual weekly blog posts. We put up quite a few new videos and spread ourselves all over social media. The first blog of the month was all about Spanish taxes and the cost of living for Americans. It was inspired by someone wondering in a Facebook group whether they could afford to live in Spain as they would have to pay around 10,000 euros more in tax compared with the state. Anyway, we worked out how much it cost to live here compared to New York, the most expensive option of course, and then Tennessee. It's a lot. Lot less. As an example, let's just look at the health care costs from that article, and this is the biggie. Every year, 530,000 American families file for bankruptcy due to medical bills. U.S. medical bills are a major reason behind filing for bankruptcy for 59% of Americans. I believe the numbers in Spain are some 530,000 fewer, but that's not what we're looking at. Let's look at the cost of avoiding this by having health insurance. And remember that in Spain, the insurance companies don't spend their whole life looking not to pay out. I pay private health insurance here in Spain for nine people, my family and my staff. The price per month for nine people is any guesses? Well, I revealed it at the end of the post, so go into the the notes on this podcast and actually click through and see how much I spend for nine people. In the answers that we were given, the average price of health insurance in the States was around $800 per month, meaning almost 10K per year. Funny that. And the deductible was also a factor, meaning people pay between 7 to 15,000 of the medical costs before the insurance even starts paying out. That doesn't exist here, except in car insurance where you may pay the first 200 or 400 euros of a ding. A simple visit to the doctor, even with insurance, costs 60 to 100 dollars in the States before they even start to poke and prod you and that can quickly add up. One of our clients pointed out that their cost in the states was 1100 per month but their employer paid 900 of that. Their deductibles were complicated but it meant they paid the first 2700 of any treatment. Others pointed out that this payment by employers is why people in the states are always working as losing their job is a dangerous place to find themselves. Now the average price for health insurance in Spain for those we either know or ask directly was €140 Euros per month. And when you pay this the visit to the doctor is free and the treatments have no deductibles obviously younger people were the less it costs but that's not the only thing to get one of the visas that is popular you need no co-payment meaning you pay for your medicines still well the average cost of medicines here is 80 percent lower than in the states for exactly the same products this means of course that if you're using medicines regularly there's a huge saving there as well Remember though, we have a very extensive and well-run public health system for those of you coming to work in Spain, which is essentially free at the point of use. And if you are here with private health insurance and working, you can start paying into the system through the Convenio Especial after a year at €60 per month for under 65s and €157 per month for over 65s. Now the rest of this blog post is in the show notes, you can click on the link, there's plenty of information about why it's so much cheaper to live here. Our next blog post was based on that and some of the awful news coming out of the USA and UK. We asked the simple question in the next post, what are you waiting for? If not now, then when is an important question for everyone post-COVID. But now it becomes even more essential as the continual, let's call it show. Uh, can I use that word? Yeah, of course I can. It's my podcast i can do what i want the continual shit show that is the uk and the horrible surge of shootings all around the states allied to the situation there makes a move look ever more attractive a move anywhere but spain particularly of course the links are in the show notes but it was this part which struck me and inspired me to write the article i was speaking with one of our american clients last week and they told me something that i hadn't really thought of before and it actually inspired me to write the post They said that people in the USA cannot stop working because they lose their employer-funded healthcare and they can never retire for the same reasons as their healthcare costs would rocket. They managed to retire 12 years before their official retirement age in the States because they moved their location to Spain and their pre-retirement income was enough to fund a very comfortable lifestyle here. Not excessive, just comfortable. They didn't need to earn bucket loads of money because they no longer had bucket loads of ongoing costs. They were off the hamster wheel, mortgageless and happy. Do you understand that feeling yet? Again, the whole of that blog post is in the show notes, so take a look. After that, we put out our quarterly market report where we talked about everything to do with what's happening in the market and how that affects what you are looking for. The current trends are long term and we're looking at less choice and more cost, among other things we talked about the nationalities buying here. And for us, in the first quarter the biggest clients of Valencia property were Americans with over 30% of our clients being from the USA. The closest to the USA around 20% were the UK and the Netherlands with Belgium close behind. We've also had clients from Lithuania. South Africa, Czech Republic, Bulgaria, Canada, Spain and Hungary and a few other countries where we haven't closed the sale yet such as Hong Kong, Ireland and Australia. Our next blog was found very useful by a lot of people. It was about Spanish property scams and how to avoid them. It was useful for everyone and we'll repeat just one of those Spanish property scams here which is the Airbnb rental scam. So. It's an extension of the fake rental listing. The Airbnb scam actually exists and the photos look better than normal long-term rental listings because everything is ready to move in. You know these types of shots immediately if you've ever used Airbnb because you'll recognize the fruit bowl on the table, the towels rolled up in the bathroom, the red rose and petals scattered over the bed and that wooden slat table and two chairs on the balcony all set up with coffee and croissants. You can almost smell that coffee. But that's what you should be doing. You should be smelling the coffee. You go round to view and the owner, and that's in very heavy inverted commas, allows you to look around the apartment yourself and is very vague about how anything works, how long they've lived there and any other details you ask about because, and here's the scam, they've only been there for a day or so. How does this scam work then? Well, the owner, again, in inverted commas, is renting the place for a week or so on Airbnb but they offer it for long-term rental, doing loads of viewings while they're there for that week. It's very easy to list on portals such as Idilista Fotocasa as an individual and it's free. Everyone who goes leaves their details for the contract and maybe a holding deposit and the owner, in inverted commas again, will meet them again on Saturday before they go away to sign the final contract and show them how everything works. What really happens on Saturday is that the scammed person and people turn up along with 10 to 20 other victims and find the property either empty and a ghosted phone number, or even worse, all of this and the actual owner there wondering what the hell is going on with so many people insisting they've rented the place for the next year and demanding the contract is honoured. Don't believe it? Well, we've got an article about that. Read it. Check it out in the show notes. We've got examples. We finished up the month, or even started a new month really because it was on the 1st of May with a post titled FAQ me, that's FAQ me of course, I didn't swear then, where we answered a load of FAQs about Valencia property by pointing people towards the blog post where we've answered those questions because everyone's got the same questions more or less and we write blog posts about it and then we put them up. Some of the bigger questions we're also going to answer on this pod and today it's this one. Is it possible to view a property before making an offer even if I am not currently located in Spain? Sure, we can make that happen. Sometimes. We often sell properties through video and FaceTime calls, but and this is important, only to clients who already know the area or the city and can make an educated choice based on that knowledge. And also that they have been working with us for a time where we know exactly what they are looking for. You'll need to be ready to buy though, and you have to have your ducks in a row, which means your bank account, your power of attorney for your lawyer for completion, your near etc, before we even lift a finger for this service. We will not do video visits for cold calls when someone asks for a video tour remotely anymore. Unfortunately, we did this a lot during the post covid uh, time period and it just doesn't work. Why not? Well, if you don't know the exact location, then you can't make an educated decision. So despite the fact that Quiero, Spain, and other portals offer this option on their pages, request a virtual tour we refuse the request from people wanting this service unless they are signed up as our client and already have experience and knowledge of the area or in the case of investment properties where the only important thing is the ability to attract a rental and the numbers involved so anyway on to the main subject of today what we do in the shadows let's look at what we do in the background and foreground with and for our clients we had a chat with a couple of our colleagues about their typical day. We'll start with David and then we'll go on to Paul afterwards. So get used to two different accents apart from mine today. But before that, I'll start with my typical day and go on to them because their days look very different to mine as they get to go out and visit the properties. They do the fun bit. My day is often like this. I get up, and once the family have vacated the house, I generally answer and distribute mails. Think about some content for the website, YouTube, social media in general, and things such as billing and paying bills. Yeah, the very important parts. Mornings are for sorting things out, as this is when places are open, such as banks, notaries, lawyers, water companies, town halls, etc. Sometimes I'll arrange a late morning or early afternoon meet up for onboarding a client or do a courtesy visit to an agency, the currency company we work with or visit ongoing projects our builders are working on with our project manager. On the days when we have a signing at the notary, everything is geared towards making that as smooth as possible and being there to see the successful completion of all the work that is required to get to that point. We'll then go for lunch, maybe. But after lunch, I'll often have a series of initial client calls arranged. We usually do these between five and seven or 8 p.m. because those time slots work best for people from Northern Europe or the USA. And also, there are fewer interruptions. In the mornings, if we had these calls, we'd just be interrupted constantly by WhatsApp messages and calls. Every now and again, we'll have later calls with West Coast Americans because they might only finish work at four or five o'clock and that's almost midnight here. So every now and again, we'll have a call with a West Coast American, but many times we do that first thing in the morning. And yes, sometimes I'll be doing visits with clients, usually just to say hello as my colleagues are taking them around places. And other times I'll be visiting places to photograph, video them and then get them up on the site. You'll notice I didn't say we have meetings in an office with my colleagues. We have WhatsApp for that and the occasional coffee. We just don't do meetings. We've had two full staff meetings in the last three years since COVID, but before that, We didn't do them either. We're a distributed company where we all just get on with it from our homes. We help each other out as required. My favorite parts of the work are many, but I'd say the top three are producing interesting content, blogs, descriptions, videos, podcasts, and the imagination and the creativity required to do that in our semi-famous descriptions and exhaustive blog posts, and also the reactions we get from people to those blog posts, to those uh, descriptions. Also, I love getting an agreement on a purchase that we know suits the client perfectly and that moment in the notary when the keys are handed over to the client that's also a very happy moment usually. The most annoying thing is well for example the seller who thinks their property is the bee's knees or the nuts when it clearly isn't and we have to tell them the truth that this property is not worth what they're asking for it. The buyer who says they're going to buy a load of places but wants the moon on a stick and we know immediately they'll never buy anything And they're closely followed by those who play their cards really close to their chest and who use countless agents and arrive late. So, for example, if we get told, I've said this before, oh, we've got a spot for you at 11 o'clock in the morning and we've got another one at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and maybe we can fit one in at the end of the day. Sorry, we're not working with you because you're working with all of the agents and it just makes everything very difficult and you always arrive late. Anyway, that's enough about what I do. Let's listen to what David does. Uh, hi Dave, by the way. Morning. Yeah. Good morning. Morning. What does a typical day look like
1: to you? Okay, so the kids get off to school and my wife goes to work obviously. So about 8.15, 8.30, I get a couple of, uh, I get about half an hour or an hour depending on whether I've got to dash out first thing in the morning to do my emails, send the initial messages for, see you later, blah, 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 confirm things with agents. And then if I've got a bit more time, I'd probably kind of chase up lawyers, banks, currencies Direct, all these kind of things, saying, where are we on this with this client? So its I get a, a bit of time first thing in the morning once I get some peace and quiet at home, obviously, to do the email dispatching and you, you're going to go through just planning your day, basically, and what you haven't managed to do the day before. You, you're either trying to catch up or... Today, for example, I've got a bit more time to hopefully do some listings, and yeah, it's never the same twice, and every single day is slightly different for whatever reasons, and some days are longer, some days are shorter, but uh, we're fairly flexible and we kind of work to our own requirements, you know, there's, there's no demands on we need to list a certain amount of properties, we need to attend to this, this, and this, We kind of we're, we're all free to do
0: what we do and get on with it. Okay, so once once you've had your quiet time and that you're generally out with clients and that's when you're not answering any messages from people.
1: Yeah, I mean it's I can't I've only got two hands so I I prefer not to keep answering the phone and I my phone is always on silence so I do miss a fair amount of calls which you have to get back to later on in the day. But I'm with people, I try and give them my undivided attention when we're doing the viewings obviously and uh yeah, it's it's just it's poor form if you see if you're out with an agent and they're constantly answering the phone and not really attending to you. You are the priority if you're in front of me and we're out and about. Yeah, you booked your time. You're coming over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's uh, you can't you can't spin too many plates at the same time. So there's no point trying to answer messages and, and keep wandering off and saying I'll be back in five minutes. Sorry, I've really got to take this. It's kind of things have to wait. You have to you have to deal what's in front
0: of you. Okay, so what's the most difficult part of the job? Um, We were having a
1: chat about this with Paul and Gavin the other day, and I think we all agreed that arranging the viewings is probably the most time-consuming, arduous process, rather than doing the viewings and answering questions and dealing with the clients there and then. Um, For Thursday, Friday this week, for example, if I need to arrange viewings, it's going to take me the best part of Monday half of Tuesday, and in the meantime, by the time you get to Thursday, Friday, some of those viewings will be cancelled because either the property's sold, or the tenant's changed their mind, or the owner can't be there for whatever reasons, and also when you're out with clients and you, last week it happened, we were supposed to go and dash off and see one in the middle of the agenda for one at 12 o'clock, they phoned me at 10 to 12 when we were nearly arriving and said, sorry, the owner's just had to leave, as a family emergency, so We have a lot of coffees, we sit around and there's lots of information to go through and chat and it's if it's with clients who trust the process, they understand how it works, but that's probably the hardest part of the day is is trying to arrange and get everything lined up to be
0: as efficient as possible when you're out with the clients, Okay, so what are the most annoying things that an owner, a buyer and another agent can do? It's annoying when you turn up to the property
1: and there's several agents and several owners and while you're trying to deal with the clients and explain and show a property, they're all yakking away in the corner at the tops of the voices, and you can't hear your your own voice. And you kind of it's or they'll follow you around the apartment and continue to talk with their friends or with their agent instead of letting you just get on with it. Uh, the owners can be exasperatingly difficult sometimes when it comes to producing documents that you ask the basic stuff, community certificates or maybe the deeds or maybe. Uh, the, the technical inspection for the building and they, they kind of question you all the way why do you need this why do you need this and why do you need this I mean we've written several articles about what you need to produce for sale for the seller and they they, they just wonder why why what you do is necessary they think that well if they like the property why don't we just go to notary an tree and done and dusted it? it doesn't quite work like that as we know
0: yeah exactly how do you find the perfect property for somebody
1: well Perfect property doesn't exist, as we all know. So we try and get the 7, 8, 9 out of 10 that ticks the boxes and then obviously the variable is, well, we don't mind doing a bit of a runoff, we don't mind this, we weren't sure about the location, but now we've checked out this location this t- at different times of day and we know there's no issue with noise or tourists, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the perfect property is, obviously through the network of we've got, you know, lots of we cast our web and we speak to lots of agents and when we have people on the ground and we know that you're only here for a limited time we will really trawl and drain and, and use every portal and every, every, every possible source to find exactly what people want and sometimes you just get lucky sometimes people arrive and the property they've seen that they love has only been on for two days won't be on next week because other people are going to like it and it's 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 just a question of fate or right place right time sometimes we find the right thing and it's some it's usually down to Obviously, knowing what we're doing, but sometimes you kind of go, oh, wow, well, we caught that
0: one in the air, and we found a really good one." For and, it, and it's not necessarily something that's on the site; it might be something that's oh, just come definitely. up. Oh,
1: definitely. You know, yeah. I mean, the the site is, is it's good to give people an example of what you can find in different areas. We always like to have a few in Ruthafar, a few in Gran Via. But by the time you come over in a couple of months, it's whatever you see on the site is. If it's any good, it won't be available anymore, or it might have been rented out in the meantime, or for whatever reason but it's just to give you an idea of what you get, and it's, it's also for people to track prices and say, oh, that looks reasonable for size, location, potential, etc., etc., et cetera, Perfect property doesn't exist, but we we like it when clients come over and say, and they're flexible, and they don't mind changing their requirements, to say, right, you were right, we don't really need a terrace because we now understand that you spend so much time outdoors in the coffee shops, in the park, on the riverbed, etc., etc., et cetera, that maybe we can, do without the terrace, which is an extremely big ask nowadays, terraces at any price, they're few and far between. So it, it, it's the perfect property is
0: how flexible are you to, to mm-hmm. move your requirements or to adjust? But the other thing is that when we're actually working with the requirements from an honest client, in other words, they've sent us before, this is what we want, this is what we must have, this is what we would like, it makes it so much easier to be able to say, right, this is going to work for you.
1: Yeah, I mean we get a lot from the first viewings on the first day, and I remember a client from a few months ago arranged some viewings just to give them an idea of a certain zone and what was going to be available, and they turned up and said we don't like the area. Not that they'd seen the area, but obviously maybe on their trip to the area, they'd walk past something they didn't like the look of, but you have to trust the process and trust us to do what we do, and I think we, we usually find what people want. Yeah, I think you have just, to call off
0: four, four
1: visits, yeah, four, ten minutes before, or something like that. All out of five, we don't want to see the, anything in this area. It's like, well, you might come back to this area and in a couple of months' time when you realise what what you think you wanted in Rithafra, Gran Via, or wherever, mm-hmm. they ended, wherever they wanted to end up, wasn't going to happen. And you have to kind of... Uh, adjust Mm -hmm. and react to to maybe the agent who should know what they're doing can provide you with a bit more perspective Mm -hmm. and probably show you some properties that you might not thought you'd wanted to see but actually when you see them you go yeah they were right somebody said to me last last week which was great you were right we got the right one we didn't see it at the time but now that we've bought it and now we're renting it out we're really happy
0: and we're glad that we, Mm -hmm. we we worked with you okay so who's the perfect client for you Perfect
1: client is somebody who can listen, who can maybe see the good or the glass half full and yeah, okay, I didn't think I'd need this, or somebody who's willing to adjust slightly and maybe if they realise that their requirements aren't gonna be possible at any budget, you know, maybe the the huge terrace that you think you wanted you couldn't manage with something slightly smaller or you think that, oh, we definitely want Ruthafa, but then when you see the properties that are there for certain prices, and you get twice the value in other areas of Valencia. It's, uh, there's plenty more to Valencia than Ruthafa and Grand Beer and Cabanao. Obviously, that's where we sell most of the properties because that's what people ask us for. But we're now looking at different areas, thinking, well, you get better value here, and this is a better property. And obviously now Pecina, Rancopins, that we really like, they've done the super block, so they've mm-hmm. pedestrianized a lot of the streets. There's lots of uh, urban gardens it looks great, whereas 10 years ago it would have been very difficult to show people that area mm-hmm. and say, this is where you want to be. Uh-huh. So what's the most satisfying part of the job for you? Satisfying is when you find something that the client didn't expect to like but you insist on showing it to them and then they turn up and say, oh man, you are right, this is this is really good and we didn't, we, we didn't think we'd want to see it because usually the photos aren't very good or you yeah. get that diamond in the rough that you can see because of size, location, and you, it kind of validates your position as, as as the expert and it shows people that you know, actually know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how does the work fit in with your family life? Pretty well, some weeks are difficult, some weeks are shorter, obviously there's lots of bank holidays at the moment and all of April has been the four day working week and it's been difficult to kind of wedge five, six days work into four days and you know, even Tuesday mornings have been tricky because a lot of the agents go back to the office and they're not kind of that responsive to when we want to be out Tuesday morning, we kind of have to fit in and, and, and arrange the agenda around that, but some weeks uh, some days are longer, some days are shorter, but we we can kind of work to our own requirements and I know Paul has just had a little baby Gavin's kids are, are younger as well. they work around it so it's very flexible that oh, i can 't do Friday afternoon for whatever reason because of the kids for football matches or whatever previous engagements you've got. My kids teenagers so they can kind of come and go as they please. And have yeah, a bit they just use the house as a hotel, yeah, like the same as mine. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they can come and go as they please. That means I don't have to race back for lunch every single day nowadays. Maybe a few years ago I would have to come back and they can please themselves. So it means I'm, I'm more flexible. Uh, we obviously work with other agents who do have to have a 2-4 break during the day. Mm-hmm but last week we were working until 9 in the evening and today I've got a fairly free day where I can actually do
0: other things rather than just work. Yeah, it, fit, it fits in better in the winter doesn't it because you can't take people out in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: we try and do the, the viewings in the morning because obviously it's cooler even in the summer and obviously in, in the winter it's, it's, it's usually lighter as well. You don't want to be doing anything at four o'clock in the afternoon in the winter because everything just looks dark and a bit dull. Mm-hmm. We get some great weather obviously January and February but it's, it's that kind of day where the light starts to go and you want to show apartments during the day because apartments generally are dark. Uh, You don't want to be out in the summer because of the heat, of course, but uh, the afternoons can be for arranging your next day, Mm -hmm. arranging the rest of the week. So we try and start at half nine, ten in the morning, go through till two with viewings and then probably go for lunch with the client and say, right, Mm -hmm. what do you think? We'll meet at so-and-so tomorrow and we'll we'll crack on. Okay, and what about holiday times? Well, we can please ourselves and it's varied because we're, we all, work when we need to work and do as much as we can but there's never an issue of oh you can't have these dates I remember we're all most of us come back from a hospital, hospitality background and the two weeks I would have off in August were those dates and even if the, it would be Monday to Monday or Monday to Sunday you'd get like your industrial fortnight whatever you want to call it and I remember going back to the UK when the kids were little to see family. And even if the flights were super expensive, those were the dates that you had and you'd have them pay probably three times as much. Nowadays, we can kind of say, oh, I can get a flight that date, so I can come
0: back and you'd be more flexible about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and everyone covers everyone's back and somebody will be around even in August. August can be tricky but there's usually somebody, one or two people here that can
1: deal with things. And Don't do.
0: expect to be able to get anything done by the no, because nobody no. else is around. We do yeah. say to
1: clients, you know, it's probably the worst month to come because it's not because we're not here. Because sometimes we are, there's somebody around to, to deal with things. but. Tenants uh, properties are rented out, owners are away we don't always have keys for properties and most of the agents just say, forget August you could literally lock and shut down for a month and it wouldn't make
0: any difference I don't think yeah yeah I think I think that's true I mean we've essentially closed down for August and just that if you're like a skeleton crew around for the last couple of years well, we, we work so much on our phones and on
1: obviously emails and stuff now so there's lots of inquiries coming in. But usually the type of client who doesn't warn you that they're coming, they're here for a week in August, they're probably bored sitting on the beach for three days and say, I want to see some apartments. And we kind of say, you know, the, the the leading question is, do you have your NIE number? Do you have your bank account? Are you ready? And if it's, I'm not ready for that, then we're certainly, it's difficult to see stuff in August and we're not going to jump
0: every single time somebody is just wants to have a wander around and do a bit of tourism. No, I mean, I actually say in a different part of this podcast, I say... We're not doing video uh, tours for people now who just get in touch cold. We'll mm-hmm. do video tours for people who've been here and we know what they want and everything. That's easy. Yeah, yeah that's what we will do. And yeah. we sell a lot of properties through that. We will not do, somebody gets in touch, can you do, go and do a video call with me from this property if you've never been here, you haven't got your NIA number, you haven't got a bank account, because you can't buy it anyway. Well, it's very easy to send an email from a foreign country saying, I'd like to have a look at this place just because you
1: are you have a better time on a Sunday morning. But you know, it, it, it takes a, probably 20 minutes, half an hour to get there, plus the time that you're there. And then a lot of these clients then never get back to you. So we sort of say, it's like you say, if, if you're prepared, we will go the extra the extra mile and, and deal with people that we've we've got a close working relationship with. But if you get in contact and say, I demand a walkthrough video or, you know, people who just want that kind of thing. I love that word, I demand. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I want you to do this. And it's like, well, you know, you're not really, I'm not sure about Valencia, but I want you to send me some videos of walkthroughs and things like that. And you kind of go,
0: well, it won't kill you to come over for a few days and see for yourself yeah, where you like it. like it. Yeah. See where you like it. Okay. Perfect. Next person we're going to talk to is Paul. We're sat here today with Paul as well, um, and this is your first time on the podcast, yeah? Uh,
2: I think I recorded an audio and sent it into to you once. First yeah, but for live. interview purposes, yeah, it's the live. first
0: time, yeah. yeah. Okay, so we've got some questions which uh, we've, we're gonna ask to everyone who works with us just to have the idea of what things look like and that. So what does a typical day look like to you?
2: Um, really, I, I don't really think there is a typical day. Generally, you get up, get the kid ready for school, check your emails, uh, see what you're planning to do for the rest of the day. Normally, if you have visits lined up, you have them lined up well in advance, so you know that's coming up. But there's always some email or some WhatsApp comes in last minute that can throw your plans into a, a bit of a spin. Yeah, the agent saying, oh, we can't do it at 10 o'clock. Yeah. Can you put it back? And yeah. Go, well, will have already got another at 10.30. Exactly, stuff like that. Um, yeah, so typically typical day, there's not really one, which is kind of one of the nice things about the job. It's uh-huh. constantly changing. Okay, so what's the most difficult part of the job? Dealing with the selling agents, Mm -hmm. not all of them, some of them are great and fine. Don't worry, don't listen. (laughs) Uh, Others are like in one of the sales we've just recently had, it's they'll accept the offer and then it'll come and then it'll come back. Oh, by the way, we need this. We need that. We want this. We want that. And it's, it's just like a constant struggle. Like I said, not all of them. So that's the most annoying thing that an agent can do,
0: they just, um, after the fact, they come back with things. Yeah, ask for more. Yeah, what are the most annoying things that an
2: owner or a buyer can do? An an owner shifting the goalposts. Mm -hmm. uh, Kind of verbally saying, yeah, we'll do this, we'll do that. And then all of a sudden, comes time to signing contracts or whatever oh no we're not doing that we're not doing this oh for example we're going to leave it all furnished and then say oh by the way we want to take a couple of things and then by the way we're taking all of this or even worse saying yeah we'll empty the apartment and then you go around to the apartment and, and everything's there. they've taken half the stuff but all the big stuff that needs to be lugged down 17 flights of stairs is still there is
0: that, is that from experience yeah a
2: fairly recent experience actually yeah it's a sofa isn't it yeah a tree yeah. sofas Three, Three sofas, yeah, down yeah. 17 flights because they don't fit in the lift. So. One fit in the lift, the other two had to go down by the stairs, I think. <laughs> I didn't do any of the heavy lifting. Okay, and what's the most annoying thing a buyer can do? Um, Just not have it clear in their head what they want, kind of. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they're coming over and you've already got things organised for them because you've been in touch with them and they've told you one thing, but then they arrive and all of a sudden it's what they're looking for is completely different yeah yeah I mean it's manageable it's not the worst thing in the world to happen but yeah you have be to be able to think on your feet a bit, yeah you. yeah okay so how do you find the perfect property for a client get to know the client a little bit mm-hmm. at least I think that helps um, there's been a few actually that have been didn't you do a blog or a podcast about the the bonus ball yeah there's been a few of them literally it just turns up out of the blue you've got all these visits arranged for the week that your client is here and then maybe you've got a free afternoon you go let's arrange something else and something just turns up like that and it's the one yeah Uh, other ones you can kind of already say you maybe you I've been in touch with the client over email for the last however long maybe had a chat over the phone or something and there's a house in the back of your head you're going this is the perfect house for they're exactly what they're looking for look and you have it in the back of your head yeah. i think that happened with dave actually with one on in uh, in pecina mm-hmm. he was talking to a client he goes i th- i remember him saying i think this apartment is the one that they is perfect for them and they, have and they, they went it. for it, and and they they went went have for it. yeah
0: for yeah yeah
2: and so what's the most satisfying part of the job for you it sounds corny but finding the right place for for, for the for that person and seeing seeing their reaction when they see the place that's it's pretty cool it's yeah when you know you've
0: hit the nail on yeah, the head.
2: yeah yeah you feel like you've done a good job they're happy with you yeah that's pretty okay it's pretty okay. special
0: and who's the perfect client for you
2: uh, someone who, who does kind of have a pretty clear idea what they want but they're not afraid to kind of deviate a little bit mm-hmm. uh, if you think something that's yeah, yeah. Uh, someone who who will listen to me, but also doesn't mind giving their opinions. It just makes everything a lot more easier. Okay. In the long run. Well, I've added another question in since I sent you then. Okay. It's, Great. To think Love about. That. And this one is like the sort of how does the work fit in with your family life? Because your family life's changed recently. Yeah, just had a kid, another one, the last one. <laughs> <laughs> um, very well, honestly, because because we all work from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can, I can just schedule my, I can schedule my life around my work and my work around my life basically, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like I'm, I don't feel like I'm slacking off on either side at the same time. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty easy to. Mm-hmm. And you come from hospitality, which was a bit more anti-family friendly, should we say? Pretty crappy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lots of late nights. If you're, when you're in your twenties and you're single, it's a brilliant way to live. Uh-huh. When you're in your not twenties yeah the, the those not 20s yeah. so there's quite a lot of those honestly. and you're waking up early mornings and stuff like this it's it's not so much fun so uh-huh. yeah definitely there's uh the change in my lifestyle has been literally night and day uh-huh. and you enjoy the job yeah yeah love it uh-huh. honestly yeah and you enjoy the clients. that because you're just because you're here and <laughs> um, the clients yeah
0: yeah i don't I, it's the most interesting bit isn't it? yeah you get to know different people yeah different things i haven't
2: had any client who i've been like oh, God, I have to do with this person, really? No, no. I've been well. I've been doing this for five years, and it's been the odd one. There's been hiccups, <laughs> you know. There's been hiccups, and like I say, goalposts get moved, and it can get stressful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can get very stressful. Yeah, yeah. You can lose a little bit of sleep thinking about things that need to get done. That's but it. you want to do the best for your client, don't you? So you yeah, you know. yeah. But no, generally, I'm really happy. Okay,
0: cool. Thanks, Paul
2: no problem we'll
0: put this out uh in the next few days hopefully okay okay we hope that helps listening to david and paul it can be quite good to get a background of how they're working in the background for you yeah now as usual we finish off the podcast with three things the property of the month the video of the month and the article of the month okay the property of the month is the house of the rising sun in all account. it's also probably my favourite description of the month because I decided to use the song as a background to it. Take a look at the link in the show notes. The video of the month, well in the spirit of today's pop, we showed a day in the life of an estate agent to Life in a Day by Simple Minds. A few photos taken as we walked around Valencia doing the job one day. And it's only a 60 second video more or less, just take a look, the link is in the show notes of course. And the article of the month obviously isn't one of ours. It's all about the um, digital Nomad Visa and the changes that are coming to it and how it's working and getting the paperwork and things like that. And it's on the Move to Spain Guide website. I've asked Louise from the Move to Spain Guide website whether she'd like to come on the podcast and she said, unfortunately she has snowed under with work and can't do it. But go to her site, it's really good. It'll tell you exactly where we are at this moment with the digital nomad visa and what paperwork is required and what's happening with the applications. In the show notes you can see all the blog posts that we've mentioned on this month and now we're going to say goodbye. That's it for now. Next month we'll probably get to hear from Jess, maybe get to hear from Gavin and maybe get to hear from Maria about what their typical day looks like as well but until next time We look forward to you coming back and listening to the podcast next month and we hope you've enjoyed this one. If you want to get in touch with us, as usual, get in touch through information at valencia-property.com or you can WhatsApp me on 0034-657-994311. There's lots of other ways to get in touch with me on Twitter, on Facebook, etc, etc, etc. But those are the main ways. Anyway, last time, thanks for listening and we hope this was very useful to you.